Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, we are grateful for it. If you would stand with me, thank you so much for being here on this memorial day. And I know some of you guys have some boats and you're just in the garage right now. So I know for sure you got some jet skis. So I appreciate you guys being here. We're going to talk from Jude today as we talk about contending for the faith. I thought it was a great memorial day message. Amen. So many have given so much for the freedom that we get to experience ultimately their life. And that's what we remember today. And we don't want to just gloss over that, do we? If we took a poll right now, so many of you guys would raise your hands. It's been a mother, a brother, a father, or a grandfather, somebody that it has been affected your life. They've given their life for this country. And we say thank you so much for that. Let's start in Jude. Now the good news is Jude only has one chapter, so it's really, really good. So we're going to start in verse 3 though. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Look at your neighbor and say, once and for all, man. Once and for all. Or maybe woman. Maybe you need to say woman there. I don't know. So once and for all. Praise the Lord. We're not looking for another, are we? We found him. Let's pray. God, our hearts are bowed to you. Thank you for your grace, your goodness. Holy Spirit, enlighten our heart, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone says, amen. You may be seated. Look at your neighbor. Say, happy Memorial Day. Yes. Now turn around and look at him again and say, happy Pentecost Sunday. Yeah, you got to go, day. That's the extent of my singing ability. You just heard it right here on stage. So we celebrate both today, and it's an extremely uh, exciting day. So um, here as we, we, we look in Scripture, we see some things that are, are really interesting. So Jude was writing to a group of people to a church, and he noticed some things. And I want to point something out here. It says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. Jude, it sounds like, was in the middle of talking about something, and then all of a sudden he heard about some stuff that was happening at the church to his people, and he switched gears. He, he was going to write to him about something else, and he said, listen, I was excited about being able to tell you about this, but now, because I heard some other stuff was happening, I need to address that. That, that is the more urgent need to address. And he said, listen, I need you to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. I want you to contend for that faith. Now, contend means to, to we, you, know, you already know this, chances are I'm not going to share anything with you you don't know. Maybe I'll challenge you, though, and inspire you and encourage you to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Amen? That's important. Now, to struggle or to compete. So, to struggle or to compete, we know that when we think of contending and we think of contenders and the athletic society that we live in and things of that nature. But I want you to look at that bottom line there. It says, labor or fervently strive. I love that because it's, it gives us a clue. Now, around here in the agrarian society, and, and, and I know that we go to the market to buy you know, a lot of the stuff that we have, but we also see the things that grow in the field, whether it be hay or wheat or whatever it might be. We see it out there, and we know that there's a process of labor that goes into that. There's a process that you look down and you have to strive and you have to labor to till the ground and plant the seed and do these different things. So what Jude is talking about here is he's saying, listen, it's kind of a two-fold deal. 
in some ways it's like we're competing, like we're coming together, like we're going in a ring against the enemy and we're standing toe-to-toe and we need to have our stuff together. You know what I mean? But there's also this other side that there's some strife and some difficulty and some dedication that we have to be willing to bring as we contend. And as I want to encourage you this morning that I know that we've got a bunch of people in here who contend and I just want you to keep on keeping on and fighting what you're trying to fight. But we are going to talk about some ways that Jude also talks about how some people are just dishonoring that. You know, as we think about Memorial Day today, you know, one of the great ways to carry on the legacy is continue to fight for freedom, amen? Continue to speak up, continue to appreciate it, continue to teach our children about the fight against the communism and against socialism and against all those buzzwords, you know? I know I'm not going to get on political soapbox, but we still need to talk about that on occasion. But at the same time, in the church world and spiritual realm, it's the same thing. There's been a lot of people that's lost their lives for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't free and it's not cheap, amen? It cost our Lord and Savior His life. And it cost many martyrs their lives, and we realize that. So we don't, want to te- we don't want to cheapen salvation. We don't want to cheapen Christian faith to make it easy to digest, amen? Now, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't teach on a level that we need to, but amen, the truth is still the truth. And it's our responsibility. It's like that old analogy. You can take a chicken and feed them a whole whole ear of corn if you take one kernel off and pluck it at a time, right? Eventually, in a week or two, you'll get that whole um, ear of corn taken. But if you take that whole ear of corn and just shove it down the the throat of the chicken, what's going to happen? It's going to kill it, right? So there is a way to do this, but nonetheless, we still need to eat on what is proper. And Jude is talking about this. He goes, listen, in, verses chapter, in verse 4 and 5 here, we see that he talks. I mean, he, he, I love Jude. He rolls it out, man. He rolls it out. He says, listen, people have perverted the grace of God. And if you look at this, you see this in our climate today, in our situation. That's the reason why we got to content, you know. Oh, and we hear it like this. Oh, you know, there is no hell. It's okay. The grace of God is good. Just go out there and live your life however you want to, and it's going to be okay. And the Bible does not say that. The Bible says that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto Him but by the Father. And we do what He says because He does what His Father says. Amen? And we obey the authority of the Word of God. And we got to contend for that. He goes on in the other verses. He said, even, even discusses angels. He talks about them, says, listen, man, some of them got out of whack, and they fell, and God dealt with them, and they lost their position. People have mixed up faith, and they, they've mixed up faith in sensual behavior. At this point in time, they've come in there, and they've taken sex and taught it as part of the religion, and it was weird. It got weird. And he said, listen, this is not the way. Okay, he just hits it head on. Now you can understand why he's like, whoa, I was going to talk about, like, let's go storm the gates, woo-hoo. Then he's like, whoa, I heard you guys went crazy. Now I'm going to write you another note. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had one of those conversations with your kids? Like, oh, I was going to talk about this, but I heard some stuff you've done. Now we're going to talk about that. And don't worry, we'll talk about that a little later. Everybody, one of us has done that, right? Yeah, it happened. That's kind of what he's doing, man. Sodom and Gomorrah even talks about that and then natural behavior. You know, I've done some study on that, an extensive study, and one of the great arguments about Sodom and Gomorrah and the reason why it was uh, destroyed and all that other stuff was because of the hospitality issues, what they called. Because it's true. Old Testament times, hospitality was huge. If a foreigner came in, you had to take care of them and things like that. But the prescription of raining down fire from heaven wasn't because some people weren't being nice to one another. There was some, and this is what the Scripture says, there was some unnatural behavior. Are they okay? The homosexuality, the, 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 the sexual things that were going on in, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah and these things that we read about. There were some reasons why. And Jude talks about that and he goes, listen. He said, we're not going back to that. 
Man, we got delivered from that, right? So he said, we got to contend. And then he goes on into verse 8, and he talks, and he straight up tells us, hey, listen, if you don't want to show honor, here's some ways that you, you don't want to, like, don't compete, don't struggle, don't labor, don't do those things. And I love how he kind of puts it to a crescendo in verse 8 here. He says, yet in like manner, these people, so he goes back, and he's kind of painting the picture of these people, all the people who have walked backwards, who haven't contended for the faith, who haven't set those lines in the sand and said, listen, man, we're not going any further. Liking these people also relying on their dreams. Now, we're going to hit everybody, so don't be upset at me. Relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. I mean, in America, that's what we do sometimes. See, we seek the dream more than we do the dream giver or the dream weaver. Oh, man, if I can get the house with a picket fence and a two-car garage and a couple kids and a wife or husband that loves me, I know that's what I need. And we start chasing the dream. Right? How many of us have been guilty of that? This is the thing, though. Now, now, now listen to me. If you're young in the faith or you're young, you're trying to figure this out, listen, and, and I'm going to get an amen from some of the more mature Christians. I know I will. This is the thing about a dream. You can be in the midst of your dream walking around being like, Lord, I feel you. You know? And then two seconds later, tragedy happens, and you're thinking, God, where are you? I just lost you in the midst of this. Because our dreams change, don't they? Things happen and interrupt. These people, man, they started chasing the life, the dream. This is what I want to do. And he said, listen, we're not here to chase dreams, man. We're here to chase the dream giver. They started, he said, just defile the flesh, man. He was talking to him, he said, listen, these people do that. That means every pleasure that you want to go after, just rock it, man. Don't worry, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, right? Have we ever heard that? Bad idea. Reject authority. How many of us see that in our society today? Not, hey, authority at time to time has to be, has to be questioned. That's okay. We don't want the blind leading the blind, right? Because two will fall in the ditch then. But it's okay to stand up and say at the same time, say, okay, where are we going and what are we doing? But this constant rejection of rebellious authority, that's what he was talking about when he's talking about the children of Israel and Jude in this, when he's talking about this, and he's talking about their rebellious nature. And you know what happened? They died in the wilderness, and they could not go to the promised land because they refused to not be rebellious. They rejected authority, man. He was trying to lead them, trying to take them, trying to do the things that they needed to do to get them to the place that he wanted them, and they rejected it. It's one thing to question authority. It's another thing to be rebellious and tear up stores and burn down stuff and do all this crazy stuff that we see in the name of the, the, the man or whatever. You know what I mean? That's nonsense, man. That's not the way Christians act. People can't say, I'm a Christian and act that way. You can't do it, okay? Now, and blaspheme the glorious ones. And they walk around, and they're saying, man, they're, they're, they're taking like what the apostle said because that's what Jude mentions too. They, they, he skips to the New Testament here or to the new era, if you will, of this because it was written around 2,000 years ago, that type of deal. And he says, listen, there's some apostles that have said some things that people are rejecting and, and making fun of them and doing these type of things. You know, it's a dangerous thing when there's a messenger of the Lord and people begin to ridicule and make fun of. Now, it's okay to go back to the Word of God and check, but whenever you start to be blasphemous behavior in that type of deal, man, that's dangerous territory, amen? You got to show respect, okay? In the Old Testament, there were some bears that jumped out of the wood and killed some of you for doing that kind of stuff, you know? So he's being serious about this. He goes, listen, we are not going back to that behavior, but we're going to contend. So now the question is, how do we contend? We know that that kind of stuff is not stepping and living and striving for the faith. Well, I'm glad you asked me that question. Verse 20 through 23 helps us understand that. Got to love Brother Jude here, or Judah, however you want to say it. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. 
and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment of stain, a garment stained by the flesh. Oh, he lets them know. He said, listen, if you want to know how to contend, if you want to learn from some of those old stories, this is your lifestyle. But now I want to take some pressure off because as I grew up, I was thinking, man, there's no way I know what somebody knows that's been serving the Lord 5, 10, 15, or 20 years. You know what I mean? Don't forget this is a journey. I was doing a little bit of research. I'm not a boxer or MMA, MMA fighter at all. I think MMA, how many MMA lovers do we have in here? We have some, man, that is like a super brutal, man, I had some women raise their hand like, yeah, I love to get in there. You know, it's crazy, man. That's, to me, that's like the super brutal thing, and I know people love that, and boxing. But I was doing a little bit of research on that. And it's amazing to be like an amateur mma -er or an amateur boxer. There's several years just to get to that place before you ever become a, a, um, a professional person in that arena. And some of those you have to start as a little kid and you kind of build your way up and you eventually get there. I mean, there's a lot of time, there's a lot of t uh, effort to really contend and be the fighter and be the things that are necessary to be able to hold your ground when you step into a cage and face the enemy toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And it was interesting and here, that's what, Judah is, uh, that's what Judah is helping us understand. Take some pressure off. Listen, this is a journey. You're not going to understand everything that you need to understand. That's the reason why some of us need to lean into some of these with a little bit more experience. We need to lean in and say, hey, let me, let me challenge you with this. Maybe you're praying, and you should be praying for your spouse or your friend, but maybe you're not praying the right thing. You are reading Scripture, and that's awesome but maybe you're not reading the right scripture over that particular situation. And we surround ourselves with people with experience who've contended, and a lot of times they'll look at you and be like, oh, yeah, you're praying the right thing. You know, you just need to pray it more often. Or, hey, you, 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 got, your right, you got it right, kind of focus where you need to, but try this scripture and this scripture because we know that there are prescriptions that really help us, amen? So you're facing some stuff. So we need to lean into those ones who have been contending. And as I look out here, I see a lot of people who have contend. And I appreciate that. And that's who Judah is writing to, saying, listen, there's some stuff that you don't need to filtrate. And I love Judah here. I love Jude, uh, verse uh, 20. But beloved, uh, but you, beloved, building yourselves on the most holy faith. you got to love him, man. He doesn't, he doesn't make any qualms about it on the most holy faith. Listen, there's not two-face, there's not three-face, there's not six-face. It's not about a person who's the influence that we follow or Muhammad Gandhi or any of those guys, right? It's about Jesus Christ, and that's the holy faith that we base building our lives upon. Amen? He said, so all this other stuff that's infiltrated, I don't care how popular are they, how good they are, what they can do or what they can't do. Listen, it's all about one person, and that person is Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? That's what you build your most holy faith on. That's where you go, and you have to start right there. You don't start on all this other stuff with dreams and fleshes and desires and all this other stuff. If you're going to be a contender, you've got to get your stuff together and realize your focus. Man, these people who are elite warriors and elite athletes and elite anything that they do, they're kind of weird. <laughs> the super good ones, I'm serious. Like, because they're so focused. Like, all they know about is that one thing. They don't know about relationships. They don't know how to keep their personal life in order and finances and all that other stuff. All they know is that one thing, and they excel at it. They're legitimate at it. That's what we need to be in the spiritual realm. I think Paul said it like this. There's one thing I know. It's Christ and him crucified. I might not know very much else, but I can tell you there's one thing that I do know, Christ and him crucified. 
That's what Jude is saying here. Man, listen, it is the most holy faith. It is one faith. It is faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we start there. And we build our life. And it just, it makes sense because in verse 20, he continues, and praying in the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, we love prayer, don't we? It's hard. It's difficult. But he says, listen, what is he saying? Ask. Ask, God, show me how to be the contender. Show me how to guard my faith and fight for my faith. This is the thing. God doesn't need us to fight for him. He can fight his own battles. But we need to stand up and defend our Christian faith. Amen. Put our feet in the ground and say, listen, this is why we know what we know. And this is why we believe what we believe. And I ain't rocking right or left because I know my focus is where it needs to be. Now, God, give me the wisdom. That's what prayer is. It's communication, communicating back and forth to God. On our knees, tears running down our face. Sometimes we're just doing it normal. And this is the amazing thing. It's a spiritual thing that's a spiritual weapon. So we go in sometimes, and have you ever had one of those prayer meetings that's just been awesome? Tears, man, you felt the Spirit of God, and you walked out, and you're like, man, there's some things that shook loose in the universe today. And then you've gone into other prayer meetings, and you're like, I don't think nothing was there, man. I spent 30 minutes, I don't even know if the walls heard me, and I was yelling at them. You know what I'm talking about? The deal is, it's a spiritual weapon. We don't always understand it, but whenever we go in and ask, because you have not, because you ask not. So just because we don't feel it doesn't mean things didn't shake and loose. I love James chapter 5, 16. He uses some of the same language. Confess your faults to one another. Pray for one another, that they may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What is he saying with fervent? Check this out. Mighty to show forth oneself work. Now, I know it means wide, hot, and all these other things, but it also means, listen, whenever you're talking about fervent prayer, there's some labor that goes into that, man. I'm going in there, and I'm showing that, God, that I believe in this prayer. You know, I'm going to have some sweat beads. I'm going to have some tears. I'm going I'm to shake what I can. You know what I mean? No, don't do that. You know what I'm talking about, though? Like, I'm going in there, and I'm going to be focused, and I'm going to be fervent, God, because I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for this situation or that situation or that person. And maybe if we would care about the people of God and souls going to heaven instead of car payments or light bills, it would be amazing to see what God would do in people's life. And I'm not saying that stuff is not important, but many times it's not a need basis, it's a want. We have a $1,000 car payment and you'd be perfectly fine with a 500 and we're spending so much faith and stuff like that and consuming our mind and our energy and God's trying to say, no, listen, those things won't last for eternity, but people that go to heaven, that will have an eternal, eternal significance, Amen. And we go and we ask for those things and we labor in prayer. And those things aren't bad. I like having nice cars. You like having nice cars, paying your bills. That's all good. But he goes on, he says, listen, it's not just enough to pray. We want you to pray in the Holy Spirit. Thank God for Pentecost, amen. Luke chapter 20, 24, 49. And behold, I'm sending the promise of the Father upon you. But stay in the city where you are clothed with power from on high. Now pay attention to that word clothed. It's really important. Acts 1 and 8, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the other parts of the earth. It's amazing what they say, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be clothed. Now think in the Old Testament for a second, for some of you guys who know that. You guys remember Joseph? Think about that. How did they know that was Joseph the dreamer? Because he was clothed in the coat of many colors. How did they know the difference between the priest and all the other people in the temple? Because they were clothed differently. See, the Holy Spirit clothes us with power from on high. That means we look different. He clothes us. That means he comes upon us. The Spirit of the living God comes upon us and we look different. See, that's the power of prayer. 
whenever we go in there, we're clothed in something. That means we have some authority. <laughs> we, have, we have the Holy Spirit as our God directing us and giving us wisdom of what to pray and how to shake some of these things loose or just some of those words that we need that just simply says, hang in there. It's not done yet. You got a little bit more, but don't give up. Keep wrestling, amen? Keep contending. Keep doing what you're doing. And it's amazing, he says, clothed with power. You know, power is an amazing word. Power means a couple different things. It does mean the miracle-working power of God that we can truly lay our hands on people and see them get healed and see families come back together and souls saved and all these things that we know that happens. But it also means this. It means that I can be morally correct in a morally bankrupt world. It means that I have the ability because it is no longer I live but Christ who lives within me. Now the spirit of the living God, which I am a temple of, according to Scripture, now rises up inside of me, and all of a sudden the things that kind of hook themselves up to me that I know are not godly, and you think, man, have you ever thought that, man, am I ever going to get rid of this? I want to, and it's the struggle. And then Satan or the world, the enemy, will come in and say, man, you're never going to change. You're going to be like that. Listen, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Okay, Satan is a liar. The Spirit of God has clothed you in that power, and you can live morally correct. That means you can break some of those old things off your life and have some things happen that's amazing to you. You just got to choose to walk in it. You got to ask. And whenever we pray, we go up in communication. The Holy Spirit is our God, and we say, listen, I'm clothed in something new, so I stand before you with confidence and intention, knowing, God, that you hear me. So that's what Judah's saying. If you're going to be a contender, you've got to continue. So keep praying. Keep doing those things. See, this is the amazing thing that whenever we're clothed with that. See, it says that we will be his witnesses. So Jude says to pray in the Holy Spirit. Now think about that. So part of your witnessing technique doesn't even require words. How many times has broken people come up to you and said, man, would you pray for me? I'm having a really hard time in my life. See, that's your opportunity to witness because now you get to walk in the authority and the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit and you pray for something, something shakes loose in their life and they come back to you and they realize, man, they got something that I don't have. It's the witness. Part of our prayer life, having that dynamic prayer life as a contender is part of witnessing that people should come People should come that are broken, that are needing doors open that they cannot open and they need God to open them, that needs hearts and lives and things like that. They come to us and we pray and we sit down with confidence because we are clothed with power from one high. And we say, God, we know that you hear us. So God, we're choosing to believe and we intercede for each other and we pray that God will do that. Then all of a sudden it begins to jar something in their mind and they come back and they think, I need to get around that person because they obviously have something that I do not have. And that witness And sometimes action speaks louder than words, amen? And we see that. Now, Jude continues here and helps us out. He he says in verse 21, so we know that we ask and we believe in prayer. And he says, keeping yourselves in the love of God. So we just simply love, we keep loving. And that's so much easier said than done, amen? Now, how, how do we do that? I mean, that's a great thought. And I was thinking about this, and Billy Graham has this quote, and Billy Graham's an amazing pastor and preacher. He's dancing on the streets of heaven now. But God is love means this. He means he tries to constantly to block your route to destruction. Think about that. He blocked the route of destruction with a giant cross as he hung on it. If anyone would believe in me. I mean, things like that over and over for telling of his death, and then it happens, and he comes back, as we sang about this morning, risen Savior, man, walking the streets. 
But wide is the destruction, wide is the path that leads to destruction, and narrow is the gate that is straight. And it's so easy to get bogged down by the world and the things of the dreams and the pleasures and the just different things that Jude talks about earlier on in verse 8. And we miss sight of the narrow gate and the small gate. When we do that, we just stay in the love of God. See, it also talks about this in other places where it says, man, you've walked away from your first love. You know, God, this is what it means. God's just a priority now. In the Christian life, God's not a priority. He is the priority. When you start walking away from him, he becomes a priority. The dreams, the flesh, what people think about me, the stuff that I can gain, material possessions, whatever it is, the influence that I can have, that becomes, starts to become the priority. You start leaving your first love. And Jesus like, don't do that. He goes, listen, if you're going to be contenders, man, you've got to walk in the love of Jesus Christ. Man, we've got to witness and pray and love. And, and, and it's a great thought from Billy Graham here. One of the easiest things that we know that we can do, if you really want to walk in the love of Christ, start blocking people from those gates of destruction. Praying for them, interceding, dropping a word of encouragement. Stand with Christ, because when you stand with Christ, you stand in the supernatural, and you never know what's going to break loose. So everything that we try to do through our time, through our giving, through our prayers, through our loving, we stand in that gap, and we say, God, we want to do everything we can from blocking people to going through that gate of destruction. Now, we know it's ultimately up to them, and we're not responsible for, um, for the results, but we will not stand down as men and women in the stands, but we are contenders in the ring, and we will plant our feet, and with our voices, and with our lips, and with our prayers, and with our hearts, we will raise your name asking anybody that turns away from the road of destruction into the narrow gate that they could have eternal life with you God because that's eternal stuff that matters so you want to walk in love I want to walk in love what do we do just continue to do what a lot of us are doing whatever we can do turn as many as we can away from that destruction say God let them see a life that's pointed to the narrow gate help me through it of course as we celebrate Memorial Day John 15 13 Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Many of the freedoms that we get to experience today because people said, you know what, I see freedom in the future. There's kids and grandkids and people that need to experience this. So I'm going to give the ultimate sacrifice now and lay down my life that we could have a country that is free and have all the good things that we have. Amen. But the same thing is true in the spiritual world. We want to walk in the love of Christ. We better be ready to sacrifice some stuff. Because prayer don't just happen. You got to give up time. You got to give up things you've got to do. You got to put that to a side. You want to go serve? Listen, you could always do a lot of other things besides how you serve. So you got to make a choice. Your busy calendar, you don't know if you can meet somebody for lunch or talk to them or things of that nature. You got to clear that calendar and say, God, use me because I want to stand at the gate of destruction. Before the gates of hell overtakes my friend's life, I will stand back and throw rocks at the rusty gates in the name of God, doing everything that I can do to keep them from it. But we stand. We stand firm. And we do. We sacrifice. We give moments of our life that we never get back, don't we? We just say, God, we're just going to put this in your hands. This is time. I mean, we can get more money and stuff like that, but time, we don't have any more time, do we? The play button's already been hit. So, God, as I sacrifice that time, you're laying down your life. You're laying down that and saying, God, I know I don't get any more of it, but, God, 
as we stand in the way of destruction, we will stand together. Amen. Jude continues here in verse 21, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Oh, man, how many of you guys got up this morning, your feet hit the floor and said, you know what I can't wait to do? I can't wait to wait. I can't wait to have a 45-minute wait at the restaurant. I cannot wait to be in my car as I wait for my family to straggle out and eventually go to church with me. Oh, man, I cannot wait till I get on the bypass and get behind somebody who's going 45 miles an hour and a 65. I mean, I can't wait. Oh, the anticipation's killing me. <laughs> None of us do that, right? We're like doctors, or we're the opposite of doctors. We're like, we're not doctors. We don't need patients, man. We just, let's get it done, right? No, no one wakes up and says, man, I can't wait to wait. But Jude is saying that. He says, listen, man, waiting for the mercy of our Lord. Now, this is interesting because it's not waiting as one who doesn't have anything else to do, but it's waiting in the, with, ex, with an expectation. It's waiting in trust. Now, I can't do all the Jewish history, but it's amazing just kind of a, a brief overview of, of how a Jewish bride at this time waited for her groom. And it's, it's amazing it's amazing because you see the waiting in Jewish customs, the bride would be found by the approval of the groom's father. So the groom's father would come and say, man, this is an amazing lady, son. You know, this is, this is like a 100-pound 100, 100 catfish, man. She's a keeper. You know what I'm talking about? You thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? Yeah, keeper, keeper. Then the betrothal process would stop, which is kind of the engagement. And at the engagement, and at this point, she was bought with a price. Now, this is not like selling and negotiating. What this is is virtually this: the man saying, "Listen, I want to marry your daughter, and I have the things to be able to um, support her." And, and, and now the, the the bride is waiting this whole time. Now, this is where it gets really difficult. After all that has happened, and the betrothal happens, and 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 yes, this is the keeper. We want her. The groom looks at her. And says, I'm going to leave you, but I'll be back. And what the groom does is he goes back to his father's house and begins to add on to the home and builds a place where they can begin to have a family. This can take up to a year at times. But the bride is waiting in expectation that she can trust her groom that he's going to be back that she can trust her groom that he's going to be true to what he said he was going to be true to. And whenever he comes back, there will be a place established for them to go make a home together. And this is what's amazing. I mean, you see it throughout Scripture. That's the reason why Christ says, I go to prepare a place for you, but I'll be back. And in my home, we're not talking about little homes. We're talking about in my home, going to be lots of mansions in my home. And then it continues. I mean, it's amazing whenever they start talking about the bride. And he says, listen, we're going to go prepare a place for you, and then we're going to come back. And whenever they come back, they sit in that expectation for over a year sometimes. And whenever the bride goes out into the marketplace, out into the open and stuff like that, she's marked. People know that she's betrothed to somebody, and she doesn't go up to other men and start conversations or anything because she's betrothed. Sounds like a commandment that I know, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. You shall not make any graven images, no idols, nothing like that, because I alone are the one that you wait for. But she waits in anticipation as she goes out and she's marked. People look at her and say, she's already taken. We go back to what we just studied. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon us and clothe us with power. I'm sorry, Satan. I'm sorry, world, but I'm taken. I'm the Lord's. When you look at me, you see the clothing of the Holy Spirit on me and I'm taken. 
And Jude is saying, listen, this is what contenders do. If we go out and we look on football fields or basketball fields or rings or whatever, everybody has their own jersey. Everybody is identified specifically. And you and I are marked in the spirit that we are contenders and we are fighters for Christ. And we see that and she waits. She waits up to a year as he comes back. But it's not just waiting and doing nothing, but it's an expectation. If we're going to be a contender, we wait in expectation. Now, we, we know that one day the Lord's coming back to get us. Either we breathe our last here on, on earth and we're with him, or we're going to meet him in there. Amen? But this is another thing. We talk about day-to-day stuff. How many times have you got a promise from God? God's spoken to you, and it's been a really long year, man. Like, you believe God's going to do something, and he's shown you he's going to shake some stuff loose, but all hell is broke loose, and you're thinking, man, how much more of this can I take? But you don't wait without an expecting spirit. You wait. Now, this is the difficult thing because you've got to make sure you have the right attitude because there's a couple different attitudes that you can create. If we're not careful, we can wait and say, God, I want it all and I want it now. And we start getting throwing fits and doing things because we don't think God's moving on our behalf. And the truth is, he's moving on our behalf, but the reality is we haven't gone through enough stuff because we're not truly ready for the blessing that he's about to unleash in our life. So we wait. We wait. And this is another thing we have to guard ourselves, especially as Christians, we have to guard guard ourselves against arrogance. How many of you guys are great secret keepers? Yeah, four or five of you guys, yeah. (laughs) Like some of you are like, only because my job, that's me, only because my job makes me do it, man. You know what I'm talking about? So I'm not, I I try to be, but I was so excited. My wife is down here on the front row. Would you stand up? This is Mary. You guys know her. Go ahead and stand up. I will get griped out for this later. Yes. So she just got the new principal job at Bray America, man. She is the new high school principal, yes. So proud of her. Pray for her. Oh, man, and we found that out, dude, I was chomping at the bit. I couldn't wait to tell people. So proud of my wife and a secret. It was two in one. You know what I mean? I'm proud of her, but I was like, I cannot wait, man. So can I tell somebody? Can I tell somebody? I might have blurted it out to a couple people that I could trust. You know how it is. You can trust them, yeah. You can trust them. You told one person, you told them all, but you can trust them. You know what I'm talking about. But it's one of those things where we sit and we're like, I know something you don't know. It's really easy as Christians to get that way because we do know how great our Lord and Savior is. We do know that he's a healer, that he's a provider, and we do know that we need to be godly. And we look out in the world and we see some people making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, and all of a sudden we kind of create an arrogance about us and say, I don't know if I want to go out there and rub shoulders and do that type of stuff. Whenever God is saying, no, I'm going to have the Holy Spirit clean you, it's good, and you got the washing of the word, you go out and do what you need to do, and you're still the light of the world. And if you're not careful, we can kind of get that arrogance and that waiting because we are waiting for the Lord to do something. We are waiting for the Lord to return. And if we're not careful, we can kind of get in that deal where I don't know if I really want to go out and be the witness and do the things that God has called me to do because, you know, I'm just good. I got mine and my own, and we all seem okay. How many of us know that's a destructive attitude, isn't it? That's not where we need to be. So we guard ourselves. So in the waiting, we guard our attitude. In the waiting, we stay in the right presence. And we say, God, we set an expectation. We're going into the hedges and the highways. We're going to be your witness because we are clothed with the Spirit of God. He continues here just a couple more in verse 22. And we have the mercy uh, on those who doubt. And we walk in mercy. Now he begins to show us how to really contend, too. He says, listen, you walk in mercy. I 
I love Matthew chapter 5 and 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So we sit and we realize that, God, I've been wrong sometimes. I've been dirty when I need to be clean. You showed mercy on me, so I'm going to show mercy on people. So when I contend for the faith, I show mercy, and all of a sudden I become a fighter supernaturally. Jude gives us some more ideas here. I love it. Verse 23, save others from snatching them out of the fire to others. Um, show mercy with fear. Snatching just means to seize or to pluck or to take by force. I grew up in a household where there were six of us, so whenever we sat down for a family meal, pork chops or chicken or biscuits, I tell you, there was some snatching going on. You know what I'm talking about? If you wanted to eat, you snatched the chicken, man, because if you waited, it might not be there in 10 minutes. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Yeah. This is the thing. According to Scripture, by our influence and by our witness, some people will be pulled out of the grips of hell, not because we saved them, but because of what Christ is doing through us. Because they rub shoulders with us and they see the influence. They rub shoulders with us and they see the witness and it begins to change their error. It changes their ways and begins to challenge them. And then all of a sudden, souls that were, the souls that were on their way to hell are pulled out of that fire, pulled out of that fire and eternally set into heaven. It really is a heaven or hell issue. See, the world doesn't want us to believe that, but it really is a heaven or hell history. It really is eternity whenever we talk about that. And to be a contender, we have to believe that. We have to be sold out to that ideal that people truly will either spend their eternity in heaven or the flames of hell. And we have the opportunity through the witness, through the praying, through the obeying of the Holy Spirit, through those things of putting on our gloves and fighting, that people could be saved from the grips of hell and established. And not just for eternity, but here on earth, the hell that they're walking through, God can can change that and turn it around and families be saved and lives be saved amen i'm telling you it's true because we're contenders we fight for the faith we fight for it just as men and women have fought so hard for our freedom and done so many things and then we see verse 23 hating even the garment stained by the flesh you know what that word hate means it means to detest it means to detest it means you get sick at the side of it this is the thing. There is a place that you can get because of the Holy Spirit that those things that entangle us and attach ourselves to our lives and things that maybe we've tried to fight, maybe you've heard it like this, like we fight demons and all this other stuff, you know, or this person has fought that and we fight that. There is a place that you can get where you look at that stuff once God has broke the shackles and chains off your life and the burdens that you look back and that stuff makes you almost physically ill because you never want to go back to where you came from. Judah's saying if you want to be a contender, if you want to contend for the faith, you got to detest stuff that comes against God. You have to hate that stuff. You have to look at it and say, you know what, I don't want to be any part of this. And you know how you do that? You start by being honest with repentance. Here's the most difficult thing that people do, but it works. God I like this thing that I know I'm supposed to hate. Please change the desire of my heart. Because if you could change the desire of your heart, you already would have. It only takes the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Psalms 37 and 4, a verse that I got at 18 or 19 years old, found in my Bible. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Why will he give you the desires of your heart? Because as you put more of Christ in your life and more and you delight yourself, all of a sudden those desires will begin to change. And one of the greatest things that you can do is come to the end of you and say, God, this is who I truly am. Oh, I need help. 
I need help to break this sin off my life. I need help to break this cycle off my life. I need your help, God. And whenever you pray like that, it says that God is near in our trouble. He's listening. He's wanting to. And that sounds so weak. But according to Jude, whenever we pray like that and we get real, we become the true contender of faith that we're supposed to be. Because, God, we don't want to let you down. We don't want to do things that dishonor you and displease you. And as I speak to you guys, I don't know what fight you're facing. I want to encourage you this morning. Keep fighting. Keep being the contender that God has called you. Keep going to prayer and relying on the Holy Spirit. Doing those things that we know to do. But I also want to leave you. If you're fighting something, I want you to know that you can really be that person that's loose from that. You can really be that person that you want to hope to be, that the world says you can't be, that the enemy whispers in your ear, and sometimes you even think you can't be. I want you to know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be that person in Jesus Christ. And you can look back at that stuff and say, I don't want any part of that, man, what God has brought me to. It starts out with repentance. It starts out with that invitation. It starts out with that desire saying, God, I want to be a contender for your faith. I want to do the things I know to do. Thank you for you ones who are praying, who are warring, who are doing what you need to do. I know you feel like it's an MMA fight. You've been beat up five or six times. That's the war, man. That's the struggle. God's with you. He won't leave you or forsake you. But we're the ones that have to step in that ring and contend for what we believe in. Freedom didn't come free, and it wasn't cheap. Our spiritual walk with God isn't free, and it's not cheap. We've got to continue to do that. Would you guys stand with me? I want to do something a little different on this Memorial Day. What I want to do, I want us to bow our heads for a second. Father, we just take a moment in our seats. And you know the battle that the kiddos are fighting. You know what they're going through. Every adult, every child, every teenager, you're aware. I pray that if it's salvation, that today they would bow their heart to you and give their life to you. They would walk in the spiritual freedom that you've given them. Father, I pray for the ones who are warring. You see their fight. You see that thing that's on their mind. You see that thing that grips their heart. Just help them and deliver them, God. Give them the courage. Give them the peace that they need. Do the work right now as I, as I pray, God. You've clothed us with power, and we're going to walk in that power. In the name of Jesus, would you look up? Now, there's something very special happening this week, and I need you guys' support. Would the altar team come on up here? If you guys are part of the altar team, just come on up here. Kind of gather right here, because what we're going to do is our 53 youth, 63 of us are going to bring these youth to have an encounter with Christ. And how many of us would like to see that? Amen. So youth, if you guys would, y'all just be, I want y'all to come down here to the front, okay? We're gonna pray for y'all. If you're any part of kids camp, now some of these are double duty. If you're in here and you're in any part of kids camp too, would you come down front? If you're in kids camp, youth camp, maybe you're going over there to serve. Yes, come on down to kids camp. Come on down, we want you here. Because we got very big week. So the kids camp, 
is going to take 93 at the end of the week, and we're taking 63 at the beginning. How many of us know that God wants to change our generation of our youth? Amen. He wants to continue to love them and care for them and encourage them. Now, I know that you support us, so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. One quick minute. Slip out from your seats and come down here, if you would. Slip out from your seats. Come down here. Lay hands on the youth. Just kind of stretch your hands out. All these guys that are doing kids camp, all these guys that are doing youth and gals, and we just want you to stretch out your hand. And prayer team, y'all just mingle in there, grab a couple kiddos, lay hands on them there. Absolutely, absolutely. Stretch your hand out, absolutely. We love you guys. Kiddos, scoot up just a little bit closer if you would. These guys are here to love on you and support you. Awesome. We love it. We're believing for God to do something this week, amen? We're going to practice what we preach. We're going to contend. We're going to step in the arena this morning for our kids, amen, and for our youth and for everybody who's going. God, our hearts are bowed to you right now, and we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy, God, and our hands are outstretched. Our voices are lifted, God, and we stand with our youth workers. We stand with our children's workers, God. We stand that this week is going to be an amazing, awesome week, God. Young people are going to find you for the first time, God. Young people are going to be encouraged and lifted up, God. Kids will find destiny, God. They'll respond to you calling them into ministry. They'll respond to you calling them into missions, God. You have a purpose and a plan for each one of them, God. And as adults, as mature Christians, we step into the ring, put our gloves on, God. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you, you give us wisdom and guide us as we pray this week for each and every student, God, that you guide us as we pray for each and every leader for what you want to do in the hearts and the minds are greater than we could ever understand and father as we look to our left and we look to our right and front and behind god you know the war that each individual is contending with you know what is in their hearts and we pray god that you would encourage them that you would strengthen them god that we know that you open up doors that no man can shut so father we declare that we declare that they're the head and not the tail god that they're blessed going in and they're blessed coming out god that your holy spirit is their god we stand with you and we thank you. God, do what only you can do in the hearts and the lives of your kiddos, God, of your students, of your people. Let us go out, God, and do what you've called us to do with hearts ablaze. God, let us be the light in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Everyone says amen, amen. We love you guys. Go out and enjoy the rest of your weekend, kiddos. Y'all know where to go because y'all are leaving just shortly. We love you. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.